The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You can be seated. Today is Transfiguration of Our Lord Sunday. Transfiguration is a word that we don't use that often. It means to be transformed into something more beautiful or elevated. And that's precisely what happens to Jesus in this story. He transforms right before the disciples' eyes into something more beautiful, something more elevated. This is like when the cocoon first cracks open. You get the first glimpse of what the larva has changed into. It's hinting that Jesus' true character is more glorious than we know. We're at the point in the story of Jesus' life that he is nearly ready to unveil the fullness of who he is. The story of Jesus' transformation is packed with all of these symbols. The symbolism and the metaphorical imagery are thick with meaning. What the gospel writer does in this story is called recapitulation. It's a musical term that describes how the themes you heard in the beginning of a song are restated again later. The details of this story are old. They contain echoes of the ancestral story of the people of God that were told from generation to generation. And those old stories are being recapitulated, told again inside of this story. The text begins with the setting. Jesus takes three disciples up on a mountain where they went to be by themselves. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, God meets people on mountains. Places of elevation were considered to be more sacred than other places. It was on Mount Horeb where Moses first encountered God at the burning bush. It was on Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. The mountain was symbolic of direct connection to God. 
It was a symbol of unfiltered, genuine relationship with God. Moses continues to be a symbolic figure throughout Jesus' transfiguration story. Listen again to the first reading we heard from Exodus 24. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses out of the cloud. So just as Moses encountered God's glory on top of a mountain when he received the Ten Commandments, so do the disciples encounter Jesus' glory at the transfiguration. And did you notice the time? The cloud covered the mountain for six days. That's the same amount of time that the Gospel of Matthew tells us has transpired when the disciples see Jesus' glory on the mountain. Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. Their joint presence is a symbol of two sections of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah and the Nevi'im, also known as the Law and the Prophets. Moses and Elijah are symbolically the two characters that represent the story of God's people throughout the history of the Hebrew Bible. After witnessing Jesus' transformation, Peter speaks in his typical overzealous, missing the point fashion. Peter's excited. He just witnessed something incredible beyond anything his imagination could conceive. He's thinking, this is great. And he says, I'll make three dwellings here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter immediately wants to figure out how to capture this experience. How do we hold on to what we're experiencing here? The dwellings that Peter wants to make are another recapitulated story. The Greek word for dwellings is skenos, which can also be translated as tents or tabernacles. In other words, Peter wants to recreate the tent of meeting. After Moses went with God on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments, what came next was the building of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the portable structure where the people of God would encounter God's presence while they traveled through the desert. At the center of the tabernacle structure was the tent of meeting where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and the location of God's presence. Peter, stunned by the glory of this transfiguration, wants to symbolically do exactly what Moses did. Build a tabernacle so that they can capture the presence and the glory of Jesus, Elijah, and Moses on this mountain. And before Peter can even finish getting the words of this idea out, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. It's like the moment when the plane enters the clouds and you lose visibility and the air is somewhat unstable. The cloud is more symbolic imagery from the story of Moses. 
This is the same cloud that covered the mountain when Moses met with God. There was also a cloud from the glory of God's presence that would fill the tabernacle. Elijah also had a connection to a cloud when God used a whirlwind to take Elijah up to heaven. From inside the cloud that was enveloped Jesus and disciples, a voice speaks. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And it's not the first time a voice like that has been heard. At Jesus' baptism, the same voice said the same thing. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So even as this transformation and radiance are taking place, when Jesus is unveiling the fullness of his glory, it's all based in his identity as God's chosen and beloved son. It is Jesus's connection to God through the spirit that makes his transfiguration shine. Jesus is chosen and claimed by God at his transfiguration and at his baptism. And so are you. You are chosen. You are claimed by God in your baptism, adopted into the family of all God's people. And just as Jesus modeled for you a baptism for which you follow, Jesus also models for you a transfiguration that you will also follow. God is in the process of transfiguring your life into something more glorious and more beautiful. You might think that your life will be transfigured up on the mountain like Jesus. It may seem like God is nearer, that Jesus is brighter and more present with you in those mountaintop experiences of your life. But consider this. Jesus wouldn't let Peter build those tabernacles and enshrine this event for future generations to come and remember that time Jesus revealed his glory. In the same way, Jesus does not leave you up on the mountain where the glory is easy to detect. Your transfiguration awaits in the ordinary things of life. God desires for your real life to be more beautiful, to be more elevated. Jesus goes down the mountain with you into your actual commonplace life because God is near and Jesus is present there too. Amen.